Father, we thank you. We bless your holy name. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. Tonight is another night. And the presence of your spirit and his power is here. To minister through this earthen vessel to your people. You are mighty in me as much as you are mighty in them. Lead us, Holy Spirit, into the truth. Open the eyes of our understanding. Let us understand the word. Cause us to understand the prophetic events of your word. Open up our eyes and our hearts into the prophetic scriptures that we may understand those things that are given to us by the holy apostles and prophets. Thank you for the apostolic and the, and the prophetic anointing that is present right now. bring revelation to the mysteries of Christ to everyone who is online now and listening to this message oh shaba ha 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 many of you are being filled with the holy ghost now yes i can see it i can see it yes I can see it. Many of you are beginning to be filled with the Holy Spirit right now. You may have the earpiece in your ears. However, you're listening to the broadcast now. Many of you are beginning to have the infilling of the Holy Ghost right now. Your bodies are beginning to vibrate by the power of the Holy Ghost right now. Many of you are beginning to sense the anointing of the Holy Spirit moving through your body. It's going up and down, up and down, up and down. You begin to feel something like in a form of electricity moving through your body. In your feet. I can see it. I can see it. I can see it. The glory of God is right where you are. God is right where you are. Some of you are beginning to have just right now a burning sensation around your your head, your forehead, going to the back side of your head. You're beginning to have a, a burning sensation right now. Something like a, I shouldn't say it's a burning sensation, but it's something like, it feels like a burning sensation. Because it's not really a burning sensation, it's the anointing of the Holy Spirit that just fell upon you. And some of you are beginning to feel heat in your palms. Heat in your palms. It's the anointing of the Holy Spirit. There's another person who is feeling heat. Heat. 
their feet. It's the anointing of the Holy Spirit. There's somebody listening to me right now. You feel like vomiting. Yes. You feel like vomiting. If, if the vomit wants to come out, don't stop. Let it come out. It's something that is coming out of you. Don't stop. There's somebody listening to me now. You feel like vomiting. If you can go to the washroom or whatever it is, let it come out. It's something dirty. It's coming out of you right now. It's coming out of you. I'm seeing a lady. I'm seeing a lady. You are sitting on your bed. You were lying down on your bed, but you just sat on your bed. And a few seconds ago, you started feeling as if someone, a supernatural being, came to sit by your side on your bed. The Holy Spirit is right there inside your room. That's the Holy Spirit. He's right there inside your room. Many of you are being raised by God and by the anointing that is fallen upon you right now to become giants in the kingdom of God. Something is being deposited in you that in a in a in a in a in a, in a while maybe in some weeks to come maybe in some few months maybe in some few years something is being deposited in you right now that is going to cause you to rise and fulfill an assignment that God has for you many will be saved many will be healed this lady i'm speaking i'm speaking to right now who was lying on the bed and just sat on the bed and has begun sensing that someone is sitting on his on her bed with that's here the Lord you are a preacher you don't know but you are a preacher that's here the Lord to you I will anoint you I will vest my power in your spirit I will lose your tongue I will take away your fear and your timidity and I will release into you the passion and the boldness and you will preach like a man and you will send the gospel to the nations that's here the Lord to you lady that's here the Lord to you that's here the Lord to you if I spoke to you and you are in any of the groups make sure that you confirm whatever I said that concerns you when we close the service make sure you confirm it make sure if you are listening 
through an external source. You don't belong to any of our groups, but yet you're online listening. And I've spoken to you. I've just spoken to you. Do send a message on WhatsApp and let me know that it is you I spoke to. Do send a message on WhatsApp to 024-240-2288. Do send a message to this WhatsApp number. Let me know that I spoke to you. 24 Eight. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus. Yesterday I began to talk to you. I think I gave you an introduction to to what I'm going to begin to share with you today. Today I'm going to be talking to you by the grace of God on the first and the second paragons of the church throughout the church age. So, yesterday I defined to you what a paragon is and I told you that a paragon is an ideal instance for a situation an ideal instance for a situation or a perfect embodiment of a concept then I explained to you that when I say that these seven churches are paragons what I mean to say is that they were an ideal instance of the seven situations that the churches of Jesus Christ will be faced with throughout the church age. Throughout the church age. They were an ideal instance. So when we begin to face the situation that these seven churches faced, which we will, we must remember the words of Jesus to these seven churches. What he told them to do. And I told you that whatever Jesus spoke to the apostles, it was meant to be carried out throughout the church age to every believer. That's the uniqueness, that was the uniqueness of their ministry. And John the Apostle is one of the apostles of Jesus. And this is a message 
concerning seven churches that is coming to John. But let's remember that he has already told them, What I say to you, I say to all. So he is really talking to all of us. He is really talking to all of us. Now, yesterday, I think we spoke about these seven churches in the book of Revelation, chapter number two, verse four. It says, John to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you and peace from God. Grace be unto you and peace from, we, from him which is and which was and which is to come and from the seven spirits which are before his throne. And then in verse 10 and in verse 11 he says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. What thou seest, what, what thou seest, write in a book and send unto the seven churches which are in Asia. Then he mentions the seven churches unto Ephesus and unto Smyrna and unto Pergamos and unto Theatira, Theatira and unto Sardis and unto Philadelphia and unto Laodicea and unto Laodicea. So these are the seven paragons, namely the church in, Ephes uh, in Ephesus was appointed to be the first paragon. The church in Smyrna, the second paragon. The church in Pergamos or Pergamon, appointed to be the third paragon. The church in Theatira, appointed to be the fourth paragon. The church in Sardis, appointed to become the, the fifth paragon. The church in Philadelphia, appointed to be the sixth par, uh, paragon. And then the church in Laodicea, appointed to be the seventh paragon. Appointed to be the seventh paragon. So, today we're going to talk about the church in Ephesus and the church in Smyrna. Praise God. But before we do that, I want us to read on from where we stopped. We stopped at verse 11, so we continue from verse 12. And uh, let's see some beautiful things. And I turned to see the voice that spoke with me and when I turned he said and being turned I saw seven golden candlesticks now I want you to notice these things I saw seven golden candlesticks and in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks in the midst of the seven candlesticks one like unto the son of man clothed with a garment down to the foot and get about with the paps with a great, uh, sorry, with a golden girdle. His head and his hair were white like wool, 
Just picture it. His head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow. And his eyes were as a, a flame of fire. Scary, right? <laughs> scary, right? Little scary in the flesh, right? <laughs> If you saw such a thing, you'd say you, you'd say you saw a ghost, right? <laughs> This is no ghost. <laughs> This is Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Oh glory. So his head and his hairs were like were white like wool as white as snow and his eyes were as a flame of fire and his feet were like and his feet like unto fine brass as if they burned in a furnace. And his voice as the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars. Notice, he had in his right hand, not in his left, but in his right hand, seven stars. And out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. And his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his hands upon me, saying to me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. Hallelujah. So I want us to notice some few things through what we have just read. Jesus does not always appear to us the way he appeared to John in the book of Revelation. I've seen Jesus appear to me um, two times was very clear, very clear. But I've seen him appear to me in visions more than two times. I think about three or four times or even more. I think even more. The first time I saw the Lord Jesus, I was just a little child. I was a little child. Um, I think I was around between 10 and, and 14. I think so. That's the first time I saw Jesus. I... I was living with my grandmom by that time and uh, that day I don't know but something hit me as a little boy to to um, fix the room because the room was very dirty the room where I, I slept was was very dirty so something hit me like to uh, do a general cleaning as a little boy so I called for my cousin and uh, we really had a general cleaning. We pulled out all the dirt. We searched the place, we cleaned the place, we tidied up the room. 
and then I took my bath afterwards and I slept. That night, I saw Jesus. I think that was the first time I ever saw him and I still remember it as clear as I saw it. I was caught up in the sky and I saw the throne of God and I saw the ancient of days sitting on the throne and he had a scepter in his hand at that time I didn't know what a scepter was but he had a scepter in his hand and he had a crown on his head and he was surrounded with a lot of angels so many angels I couldn't count this was my first time I ever saw God that I remember so many angels he said nothing to me but he looked at me with a great smile I can still remember the beauty of that smile on his face as he looked at me he looked at me with a great smile as someone who was greatly pleased with me oh you can tell when I woke up from that vision there was so much peace in my heart as a little boy I had seen God you know I knew that God had a purpose for my life even as at that age I just didn't understand it better like I understand it today today I understand it better but I didn't understand it as, as much as I do understand it now but that was my first time of seeing him and afterwards I've seen him again and again and again there was one time that he appeared to me that looked a little bit close to what John saw over here but not exactly the other time that he revealed himself to me he was just in a white robe and he sat on a wood a carved wood uh, it was like wawa you see wawa but it was like a carved one it wasn't wawa anyway but i'm just trying to explain to you the nature of the wood and it was carved and it was he was on 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 a great water and he sat at the very end of it and I lay prostrate before him on the wood and he spoke to me he spoke to me he told me to look at him he told me that there were many who were called like myself to lie on the same wood that Oh glory to Jesus that I was lying on right there. 
and they lay on that wood but eventually they took off their eyes from him and they began to look at the at the sea and when they did that he said they sank in the sea uh, uh, they sank in the river and they died so he told me that many who were called to lay on 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 the wood had sunk in the in the in the river because they didn't look at him and i could see the blood of many ministers in the river as i lay on on that wood and he sat at the very end the very end point of the wood and i lay on the wood and it was so surprising because he sat at the very end point of the wood so he should sink because the weight around the side the end point of the wood was was much heavy so he should sink but he never sank he never sank you know that wood represents the cross of Jesus Christ and he's sitting at the end point of it tells how that he has already defeated his cross he's already carried it and defeated it he's won his victory already and i lying down on that wood represents my call to carry my own cross and to be crucified on my own cross and i supposing to look at him tells me that if i will be able to carry my own cross i must look at him the bible says for the joy that was set on Christ uh, before him he endured his cross despised the shame and the bible tells me to look unto him the author and the finisher of my faith so there were many who came into the ministry who carried their own cross laid on their own cross but at a point they shifted their eyes of Jesus and they sank in the in the great river afterwards i have seen him again But let me tell you this. Jesus does not always appear this way that he appeared to John in visions. He appears in different ways, in different forms. I've seen in a vision Christ Jesus appearing to me as a woman before. As a woman Now he's not a woman but he appeared to me as a woman before I followed this great man of God through a marketplace and he was so busy for ministry and I saw beggars on the left side mostly 
and on the right they were begging for money and as I followed this great man of God they, these beggars they begged and they begged and they begged for money but the man of God was so focused on where he was going and he was very fast she was going very fast so we passed by he first passed by this woman who sat begging for arms when I saw the woman something was moved inside me she wasn't an ordinary woman but I could see her just as a woman begging for money and then I passed her by immediately I passed her by she called me by my full name so I turned looked at her and went close to her and she gave me the wine of my life she told me to be careful how I follow to be careful how I follow immediately I knew she wasn't just a woman but it was the Lord Jesus I humbly received these words and I moved on you see she was telling me to be careful how I follow in other words I was going to follow people who were so fast and so focused in making it in ministry who at a point will fail to recognize the presence of Jesus and I following them would also fail in recognizing the presence of Jesus and the Lord didn't want me to make that mistake he didn't he loves me oh how he loves me he loves me Jesus does not always appear in this way that he appeared to John in visions. Sometimes he appears differently. The way he appeared um, to John in this vision is not necessarily how he looks like. Remember the Bible says we don't know how he looks like. It was John himself who wrote and said we don't really know how he looks like but we know that when he comes we shall be like him in, in various visions and different dreams 
we may possibly have seen Jesus in a particular form. But it's much, much more glorious than we see in a vision. One day we'll see him face to face with our naked eyes, physically, as we see ourselves. One day very soon. What you should know about dreams and visions is that when you see a vision, most of the times the things that appear in the vision are appearing so to communicate a message to you. Okay? So sometimes you may see a vision and you may see a man coming to you wearing blue wearing blue it doesn't mean that in the spirit the person is wearing blue no but you saw the vision that way because it's communicating a message a particular message you've got to interpret what you're seeing to really get the message out of it you see You don't conclude that, oh, that's how this person is in the spirit. You have to interpret what you're seeing in the spirit to really get the message that is being given to you in that vision or in that dream. Praise the Lord. So the way Jesus appeared here is not really how he looks like, but rather appearance that we see over here in the book of Revelation is communicating a message. In other words, he appeared to John the way he appeared to John because everything that he appeared with and every character that he appeared with is supposed to communicate a message to John. Now, as we read on, you would see what I'm talking about. And you would know that what I'm saying is true. You will know that it's true. So what did John see? Number one, John saw seven golden candlesticks. What did he see again? He saw that in the center stood Jesus. Jesus stood in the center of the seven golden candlesticks. Now that means the golden candlesticks were surrounding him. They were round about him. Because he stood in the center. If he stood in the center, then it means the golden candlesticks were standing around about him. You see it? They were standing around about him. What did he see again? He saw that Jesus was wearing a straight garment with a golden girdle in the waist. And then he saw that the head of Jesus and the hair of Jesus was white like wool and white as snow. And then he saw that his eyes were burning as a flame, a flame of fire. And then he saw his feet was like, a, was like fine brass and as if they burned in a furnace. And then he heard his voice and his voice was like the sound of many waters. 
and then he saw that he held seven stars in his right hand not left in his right hand and then he saw his countenance that it shined brightly like the sun when it shines in its strength all these things that John saw saw them that way because they were all appointed to communicate a particular message to John to the seven churches you see to communicate a particular message to John look at verse 18 Revelation 1 I am he that liveth and was dead and behold I'm alive forevermore Amen and have the keys of hell and death write the things which thou hast seen and the things which are and the things which shall be hereafter then look at this he begins to explain some of the things that John saw and this would help you to know that they appeared to John because they were communicating a message so for example He explains in verse 20, the mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand and the seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars are the seven angels, are the angels of the seven churches. You see? And the seven golden candlesticks are the seven churches are the seven churches. So you see, John saw seven golden candlesticks and he saw Jesus holding seven stars in his right hand and i told you it appeared that way because it was going to communicate a message to john now you see he's explaining the message to him the the candlesticks you saw around about me they are the seven churches and the seven stars you saw in my right hand they are the seven angels the seven angels to the seven churches so you see they didn't just appear for nothing in the vision they appeared to communicate a certain message and as we read on you'd notice he would be speaking one after the other to the seven churches from one church to the next church to the next church and to the next church and you'd notice that in his introduction to every one of the church he would mention one of his appearance in the vision Uh, in the vision to John he'll mention some of the appearance to John in the vision now you would notice that from church to church church to church as he spoke he would mention some of the appearances that John saw in the vision and related to that church and related to that church every church had a different appearance that he used to relate you see So these appearances that John saw they came up in the vision not 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 because um how should I say this they they came up in the vision to communicate a message to the churches to the churches All right So let's begin to talk about
let's begin to talk about the church of Ephesus. The church of Ephesus. The first paragon. The church of Ephesus. Now I told you that a paragon is an ideal instance for a situation. So so what ideal instance is the church of Ephesus standing for throughout the church age? What ideal instance? That's what we're going to look at. That's what we're going to look at. So, chapter number 2. Book of Revelation. Unto the angel of the church in Ephesus. Right. I'm so thankful to God that the Holy Spirit through this service is bringing you an understanding concerning the book of Revelation. He's bringing you an understanding concerning the times that you are living in. He wants you to be presented perfect in the presence of God. There's nothing that is on the heart of the Holy Spirit more than presenting you in perfection before the presence of God and of Jesus Christ. There's nothing. There's nothing. There's nothing. If you read the book of Jude, chapter number one, and Jude is only one chapter. In verse 24, look at what it says. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless in the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty and dominion and power both now and forevermore. But he says in verse 24, Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and present you faultless in the presence, before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. The question is, who is this one who is charged with the responsibility and the ability to present us without fault? Who is he that is charged with the responsibility in keeping us from falling and presenting us faultless? Faultless, that means presenting us perfect before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. In other words, and he'll do it with great joy. Who is this one? That's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. He has a responsibility. And that responsibility is to make sure that you do not fall. That you continue to stand in the faith. His responsibility is to make sure that you are presented faultless. Faultless. 
faultless. Do you understand? Faultless, without blame, without wrinkles, without spot or any such thing. It's his ministry. And that ministry he has ordained. In some of us who have been called into the offices of ministry. So as we minister God's word. And as we minister to you the power of the spirit. He's doing these things for you. He's doing these things for you. He's purging you. He's making you perfect. He's strengthening you to stand. That's exactly what is happening to you now. As you're listening to me. Because it's not my voice. It's not me. Something greater than myself is ordained in me and through me for you. And that's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. To make you perfect in Christ. To make you perfect. And the Holy Spirit is in your life. And doing the same things, making you perfect, is in your life as well. But he's doing these things also through the ministry offices and the ministry gifts that he has given to men from Christ Jesus. church of Ephesus is the first ideal instance to the church throughout the church age that Jesus began to talk about. So what ideal instance does the church of Ephesus stand for? The church of Ephesus is the paragon. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I'm speaking these things to you. The church of Ephesus is the paragon. And you want to write these things down. Very important. You have a notebook. You have a pen. Put it down. If you, have, if you don't have an access to a pen or a notebook, that's okay. Because I'll release this message by tomorrow morning on my podcast on CastBox. Listen to it again and take some notes. Study it. Listen to it again and again and again until you become one with the revelation presented in it. And study it and judge the things that I say in it by the Holy Spirit and by the Word. That they are true. The church of Ephesus is the paragon of the church that has left their first love. The paragon of the church that has left their first love. In other words, they are an ideal instance to the church that has left their first love. Now, leaving the first love is the situation. Is the situation. It must not be. It shouldn't be. You see? 
It must not be. It shouldn't be. But it is. So what did Jesus say to this church? That will help us to know what Jesus is saying to the church throughout all generations when we are faced with the same instance. Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the golden candlesticks. Now you see what I talk about? You see what I, what I, I, spoke, I spoke about? His introduction to the Ephesian church begins with one of the appearance that John saw in the vision. You see? And he mentions this appearance to the church in Ephesus because he appeared to John this way because it was relative not to any of the churches but particularly to the church in Ephesus. In other words, it would communicate a message to the church in Ephesus. Unto the church, the angel of the church of Ephesus, write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works. I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience and how thou canst not bear them which are evil and thou hast tried them which say are apostles and are not and has found them liars and has borne and has patience and for my name's sake has labored and has not fainted nevertheless I have somewhat against thee because therefore uh, because thou has left thy first love remember therefore from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly. Now look at this. Look at the reason why the the appearance of the of of of, of the candlesticks was was relative to Ephesus. What message was Christ going to communicate to them through the appearance of the candlesticks? Look at it. Verse 5, remember therefore from whence thou art fallen and repent and do the first works or else I will come unto thee quickly and remove thy candlestick out of his place except thou repent. Now remember, Jesus told John that the seven golden candlesticks are the seven churches. They are the seven churches. And Jesus stood in the center of the seven golden candlesticks. That means he lives, dwells, and walks in the midst of his church. And now he tells the Ephesian church, Repent and do the first works or else I will remove your candlestick out of his place. 
In other words, I will remove your church out of its place. In other words, your church will no longer be around me. Or in other words, I will no longer walk in your church. You know what he was saying? He was telling the, he was telling the efficient church that if you don't repent, repent and go back and do the first works, there's coming a time you will cease existing as a church in heaven. Now that's dangerous. That's very dangerous. And that's very, very, very terrible. It's, it's not a pleasant word to hear at all. You see, every church that belongs to Christ is written in heaven. And is a candle, a golden candle in heaven around Jesus Christ. And when the church began to behave like the Ephesian church and not repent, something happens to that church. They are taken out. In other words, they cease to exist as the church of Christ. And they begin to exist as a church on their own for whatever God they worship. For whatever God they have begun to worship. So you can begin you can begin as a church in Christ and end up as a church thrown out of Christ. As a church because Jesus is saying something here. He says, if you don't repent, I will remove your candlestick out of its place. In other words, I will separate your church from amongst my churches. Do you understand? I will separate your church. Do you understand what that means? You cease to be my church. She would be separated. Now I said that's dangerous. That's dangerous. So what did he say? It's going to cost this. What is going to cost this is because they left their first love. It's because they left their first love. Now, I'm very sure, I'm pretty much sure that most of you have heard several teachings on the first love and how that we must go back to our first love. And uh, the message about the first love is very common. And there's a common way that most men of God have taught it. Okay? There's a very common way that most men of God have taught it. They've taught that the first love actually is when you became born again you see that there were some things that you loved to do you loved to pray you loved to study God's word you loved to fast you loved to be in God's presence you loved to go to church you loved to win souls you see you loved your quiet time there were some spiritual activities that you really loved which uh, in effect made your spiritual life very glorious and very strong. So they teach that this is the first love. And uh, they explain that the, 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 Ephesus, the, the church in Ephesus left their first love. 
in other words they got to a time in life where um as they began to work as they began to go to school as they were exposed more and more to worldly stuff the desire to pray left uh, died in them the desire to win souls died in them the desire to uh, to fast to wait on god to be in god's presence to worship him all of these spiritual activities began to die in them and so jesus began to warn them and tell them to go back to their first love and that means to go back and begin to pray and begin to fast and begin to win souls and begin to literally do those things again okay that's the common message that you will hear when most men of god are preaching or teaching about the first love now well the revelation itself that they are preaching is true that many believers are no more praying no more studying no more fasting no more uh in fellowship with god like they used to be and that they must go back to that fellowship as much as that revelation is true that was never what jesus was talking about i know this is a blow uh, i know this probably is not what you've been taught and remember i haven't condemned that teaching either but i'm telling you that what jesus spoke over here about the first love is something much more much more living their first love was something much more worse so follow me and let me explain to you in the first place in verse 2 of chapter number 2 the book of revelation look at the words of jesus to the book to, to the ephesian church he said i know thy works and thy labor and thy patience and thy love uh, sorry and how thou canst not bear them which are evil and thou hast uh, tried them which say they are apostles and have not and hast found them liars and thou hast borne and hast patience and for my name's sake thou hast labored and hast not fainted look at what he says he says i know i know and he says i know your works the word know is a present tense it's not a past tense jesus did not say i knew your works he didn't say i knew your labor he didn't say i knew your patience he didn't say i knew how you tried those who are apostles who say are apostles and are not He didn't say I knew. He said I know. In other words, he was speaking to a present situation. He wasn't speaking to a past situation. He was speaking to a present situation. In other words, at the very moment that he was speaking to the church in Ephesus, they were working for he says I know your works. So it was a church full of zealous works. They hadn't died in their works. He said I know your works and then he says I know your labor. So 
presently, as he spoke to them, the church in Ephesus was laboring. They were laboring. They were proving zealous works before God. And they were, and they were laboring. And they were patient. They were busy trying those who are evil. Right? Trying those who say they are apostles and are not. All these things were presently found in them. You see, they hadn't left it. They were still praying. For he says, I know your works. In other words, I know you are studying your Bible. I know you have a prayer life. I know you fast. I know you wait on me. I know you are winning souls. I know you're doing all of these things. So the current condition of the Ephesian church, when Jesus spoke these words to them, was not dead. Very much alive. They hadn't left prayer. They hadn't left fasting. They hadn't left winning souls. They hadn't left caring for one another in the church. They hadn't left any of these things. They were still doing them. So when Jesus speaks to John about them, he says, I know, I know that you are doing these things. I know. You see it. And then he tells them, Nevertheless, what does nevertheless tell you? Nevertheless tells you that they are really doing these things. It's, I know you're doing these things. Nevertheless. Meaning some way, now so so no. Now so so no. You see, I know you're doing all of these things. Nevertheless, I have one thing against you. So you see, the first love is not your, um, it's not, uh, the first love is not your love for God. Let me put it that way. It's not the things that you were doing when you became born again. Like praying, going to church, reading your Bible, having your quiet time, winning souls. That's not the first love. not the first love because the Ephesian church were still doing these things nevertheless had left their first love if the first love was the same as these things then they would have been noted for leaving these things but they were noted for doing these things and yet had left their first love that should quickly inform you the first love is something different It's something different. So if laboring was their first love, then they hadn't left it. Because they were very well laboring at the time when Christ spoke these things to them. What am I saying? I'm saying that there is a difference between the works and the labor which they were doing and what the first love is. They were still established in works and labor and patience, in fact, in zeal, yet they had left the first love. 
So praying, studying, winning souls is not the same, or let me say, are not the same as the first love. They were praying, they were winning souls, but still had left the first love. That tells you the first love had to be something more than their works and their labor. So the first love is something more. It's more, something more than your praying. The first love is something more than your fasting. The first love is something more than your giving. It's more than your going to church. It's something more. Something more. Yes, there are certain believers who when they became born again were were very active spiritually but now all those activities they are dead they are down that's a different message that's called lukewarmness they've become lukewarm i'll talk about that but this issue of the first love is a different matter altogether in with respect that the church of Ephesus were doing these things they were involved in these things you see so if you have ever heard anybody teach you on the first love and told you that these things were the first love um, understand what they were trying to say they were trying to, to, to teach a message that would bring back life into your spirit if you are dying but something was missing because all these spiritual activities are not the first love the first love is something more it's something more so what is it what is the first love oh no that's a wrong question it's not what it's who the first love is who not what your first love is always a who not what not what so who was their first love and what does it mean to leave the first love John wrote the book of Revelation he's the same person who wrote first John So he probably wrote 1st John with the same revelation that he had in his heart. So open to the book of 1st John chapter number 4 
And let's read from verse 16. Or let's read from verse 15. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. Did you see that? God is love. Love is not something you do. Love is a person that you live in. Do you understand? Love is not something you do. It's not a thing. Love isn't a thing. It's not an action. No, 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 no. Love is not an action. So maybe you've, you've thought that, oh, this act, uh, this action that this person did, so and so did, uh, this action is love. No. There's no action that is love. Actions are not love. But there are actions that are motivated by love. You see, because the same actions that you are interpreting as love, someone else can perform those same actions that you are interpreting as love for their self-interest. They can do those same activities, those actions in selfishness. Would you still call the the action love? So love isn't an action. It's not something you do. It's a person that you live in and that person motivates you to act. So we act in love, but the act itself is not love. The act is done in love. So how can prayer be your first love? How can studying your Bible be your first love? How can soul winning be your first love? These are all actions. These are all activities. Rather, we have these activities in subjection to the first love. Love is a person. Brother is a person. You can very well be winning souls, be praying, um, be giving, uh, be going to church. You can be very well doing all of these things and they are not in subject to love. It's possible. It's possible. You can give and your giving is not in subject to love. You can go to church and your going to church is not in subject to love. It's in subject to some other foolish things. Some people go to church because they want to show how beautiful they are. The dress, they show some new dress. Some people go to church because um, for various reasons. Somebody prays Uh, spends not much time in prayer because he wants to kill his enemy. He wants to, he's very prayerful. He prays for three hours, six hours, seven hours. All nights upon all nights. And you know him to be a very fervent Christian because he prays a lot. But he wants to kill somebody. That's why he's praying. And you say that, that's first love. No. Someone can be doing his quiet time every day 
open his Bible and study his Bible every day. But he's only studying his Bible to go and win an argument. Do you call that love? In fact, people who want to win an argument, they study their Bibles even more than those who want to live the life. Would you call it love? So that's the action, the activity is not love. Okay, let's move on. Verse 16. And we know and we have known and believed that love is of, is of God. And we have known and believed, sorry, the love that God hath had to us. God is love. He that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is so are we in this world there is no fear in love but perfect love casteth out fear because fear had a torment he that feareth is not made perfect in love look at verse 19 we love him because he first loved us John just revealed who the first love is Jesus he says we love him because he first loved us who first loved us Jesus who is our first love Jesus who was the first love of the, of the efficient church Jesus he was your first love he was your first love But now, at a point in their lifetime, they were being separated from their first love. Even though they were still praying and still winning souls, they were still laboring, but they were being separated from their first love. In other words, they were now praying, winning souls, uh, and doing all of these activities to promote their self-interest and no longer the interest of Christ Jesus I'll explain to you ah there's fire in my bones this is the state of the church in most places in the world today. So sad. But that's the truth. So sad. But that's the truth. Look at us. We're going for soul winning. Preaching the gospel to, to people. For what reason? Because we want to fill our churches. So the soul winning that should have been done because we really care for the salvation of mankind. That they would be saved and come into God's kingdom. Now we are using it as a tool to fill our churches. So you notice 
most churches don't evangelize, don't win souls, except they want to fail their churches. This is the state the Ephesian church came into. Whatever they were doing was no longer motivated by Christ Jesus, their first love. No longer. So they were still praying. But the focus of their prayer had left Christ Jesus. You see it? He said, you are doing all of these things. Nevertheless, you've left your first love. In other words, their prayer, their Bible studies, their soul winning had left Jesus. It had gone far away from Jesus. How do you know that your soul winning has gone far away from Jesus? When it is no longer with the passion to save a soul, to get someone born again, doesn't matter if they come to my church or not, but to get them into God's kingdom, when it's no longer with that passion, when now it's all about someone getting into your church, getting your church filled, then you know that though you are very hard working in soul winning, your soul winning has left Christ Jesus, the first love. It has left him. When you find yourself studying the Bible, oh, you love to study the Bible. Just like the Ephesian church, they loved to study their Bible. They loved to study the scriptures. But when you begin to find out that your Bible studies has now shifted from receiving a revelation from Christ Jesus to build your life, a personal revelation through which you will walk before God and be built up in Him. When you find out that your, your focus has shifted from this and has now entered into another, another place where you are only studying your Bible because you are going to preach to someone then you know that your Bible studies has left Christ Jesus. It has left him. Because you're no longer studying your Bible because of fellowship with him. You're now studying your Bible because you want to go and minister to other people. This is what happened to the Ephesian church. And they are a paragon unto us. When you find out that you are in prayer 24-7, you are praying, 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 and yet your prayer no longer seeks Christ's will in your life your prayer no longer is in, in is in line with the will of God but now your prayer has shifted into seeking for worldly things material things that's all your prayer life has been filled with then you know that your prayer life has left the first love Christ Jesus so the first love is not those things you used to do when you became born again. No, no, 
your first love is Christ Jesus, the one who first loved you. So look at what it says. I think I'll stop here. Look at what it's look at what he says. In verse 5, he says, Remember from whence thou art fallen. Look at that. They are still praying, they are still winning souls, they are still laboring. But he tells them, You have fallen from you have fallen from, from someone, you've fallen from some things, you've fallen. In other words, the activities you're doing are out of balance. They are no longer focused on me. They have left me. So he says, remember from whence you have fallen. Then he, said, then he says, and repent. In other words, turn back. Make a U-turn. Then he says, and do the first works. Question is, what's the first works? The first works is the prayer, the Bible studies, the soul winning. That was focused on Christ Jesus. That's the first works. They left their first love and now the first works changed. It was no longer focused on Christ Jesus. It began focusing on self-interest. So now he tells them, remember from whence you've fallen and repent. In other words, return to your first love and begin to do the first works. What are the first works? In other words, begin to pray and win souls and do all of these activities again in connection. With Christ in focus on Christ Jesus. That was his counsel. Brothers, we may pray. We may win souls. We may intercede. We may be involved with so many beautiful spiritual activities that should enhance our spiritual lives. We may. Very beautiful. But we must make sure. Make sure. That we don't fall into what this Paragon Church fell into. We must make sure that we never remove any of these activities from the will of Christ, the purpose of Christ, to now begin to fulfill our self-interest and self-desires. Else, we become like them. You know, if we don't repent, what's going to happen to us? Our candlestick will be separated from the candlestick. In other words, the church that has stopped focusing on the first love, Christ Jesus, and now using soul winning and prayer and all these things for their self-interest and no longer for the interest of Christ and the kingdom of God will be separated from being a church. In other words, in heaven, they will cease from being a church. Imagine how many churches have already ceased in heaven. They are on earth here recognized as churches but in heaven they have ceased as as churches christ doesn't know them as churches they have been separated because they haven't focused on the first love they have focused on their self-interest and you may belong to one of these churches and you must quickly 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 as you're hearing this message Know what God is telling you. Get back into the right focus. Everything is about Jesus. Nothing is about us. Nothing is about our churches. Nothing is about our denomination. Everything is about him. When a soul gets born again, it is not so that he comes to my church or comes to your church. It is so that he comes into God's kingdom. 
We may invite them to our church. But that's not the reason why we went to preach to them. We didn't go there to preach to them because we want them to come to our church. No. Because we want them to have a relationship with Christ Jesus. And when they get that relationship with Christ Jesus, whether they come to our church or not, that's not our problem. Let's do this. And you'll begin to see Christ Jesus filling your church. You see. I'm not saying you are wrong to invite a soul to your church after you've preached to him and is born again. I'm not saying that. I'm saying it is wrong for that to be the focus and the motivation of your soul winning. That's what I'm saying. They are a paragon of the church that left their first love unto us. My time is up. I have to stop here. In fact, I've, I've gone over. I've gone over, so I'm stopping. Please lift your voice and begin to thank God. Begin to thank God. Begin to thank God. Bless His holy name. Bless his holy name. We bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. O la mano, shalamane, neno, sea, mana, nabane, no, sea, nana, no, shea. We bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. Oh, Ayana shaya hasana, ayana hasaya na hasaya kaya ne shoya. Sora mama ne usia tapana soa ne mena soya. Obano saya, obano saya, obana soya no soya dono. Isona mana so no 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 mo shoya no 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 zaya. 
Glory, 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 glory. Father, we thank you in the mighty name of Jesus. Oh, we thank you for your word. Your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces even to the dividing ascender of our souls and spirits. And of our marrows and bones and joints. It's a designer of our thoughts. The entrance of your words bring light. They give understanding to the simple. Thou will light up my candle. The Lord will lighten me up. Thank you for your spirit. And for your words, glory be to Jesus. Glory be to Jesus. I pray for you. If you're sick in your body, put your hand where you are hurting right now. If it's not a particular place of your body, probably it's something that is all over your body maybe it's related to your blood or whatever then put your hands around your body as I pray for you you will be healed right now oh I know it I know you will be healed right now and get ready right now for a second infilling of the Holy Ghost something is about to happen to you right now in the mighty name of Jesus you power of sickness and disease you know me like you know my master Jesus I don't speak in my own authority but I speak in the authority of the name of Jesus the blood of Jesus and the spirit of God which is at work in me you have no power you have no authority and you have no strength in the presence of my master Jesus and in the presence of this voice speaking to you right now I command you power of sickness and disease be broken in the name of Jesus from the bodies that you have held captive loose them Loose them right now. Loose them from the crown of their heads to the soles of their feet. Loose them right now in the name of Jesus. If anyone is listening to this broadcast 
and you may have the virus I speak to your body in the name of Jesus to kill that virus inside you right now and I command that virus to die and to pass out of your body in the name of Jesus I command sicknesses, diseases related to the blood to die and to pass out of your body right now in the name of Jesus. I command the headache to go, the back pain to go, the pain in your bones to leave. I command the kidney issues to go in the name of Jesus. There's someone listening to this broadcast right now. You have uh, partial blindness. You have partial blindness. You cannot really see clearly in the night. You cannot see very clearly in the night. In the night, your, your sight is dim. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I command your eyes to receive life. And right now, if you are wearing spectacles, Take them off and look, see with your normal eyes. Everything is clear. You are healed in the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. Every sickness dies in your body. Known or unknown, they die at the sound of this word, or at the sound of this voice. They die at the name of Jesus and they pass out of your body in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. Everybody lift your hand right now. Receive the power of the Holy Ghost. Wherever you are, listen to this broadcast. Receive the power of the Holy Ghost. Receive the anointing of the Spirit of God upon you right now. May this anointing build you. May this anointing reveal to you God's will and God's purpose for your life. This anointing lift you up into God's will, into God's plan and the ministry of Christ. I release a prophetic anointing to come upon you. There's someone listen to me right now. A prophetic anointing is coming upon you and it's going to be upon you for 10 days. For 10 days, every day within these 10 days, you will be prophesying. Because for 10 days, God has appointed for you to change certain things that are happening in the family. You, this person that I'm talking to you, you are begin you are you are you are encountering a great challenge in your family and you really want to change it you really wish you really wish there would be a change in the things that you are experiencing in your family the spirit of prophecy is coming upon you and for 10 days you will be prophesying speaking to circumstances in the family and after 10 days the circumstances will begin to align to the things that you spoke about. That's happening to somebody right now. It's happening to somebody right now. It's happening to somebody right now. If 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 you're listening to me, you are Joe. Your name is Joe. What I just spoke right now concerns you. It concerns you too. It concerns you. It 
concerns you. It concerns you. Yes, it concerns you. And it concerns someone who is also called Ajoa. It concerns you. And someone who also is called Ephia. It concerns you. It concerns you. It concerns you. It concerns you. I see a Janet. I see a Janet. A Janet is being healed. A Janet is being healed. Being healed in her body right now. A Janet is being healed right now in her body. In the name of Jesus. Go ahead and worship Jesus. Worship God. Worship God. Worship Him. Give Him glory. Give Him glory. Jesus. 